the scripture today is Matthew 13, 1 through 8. And then we'll pick up again in the explanation. The parable of the sower. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Verse 18 through 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. And for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The parable I just read isn't necessarily one I would have chosen to preach on today. Um, My skills as a gardener are only rivaled by those of mine as a cook and a baker. Both are fairly non-existent. So in the past few uh, months at the Genus household, we've had the battle of the grass in our backyard. Up until a few months ago, we've been spoiled by having grass that was firmly established And we haven't had to do much more than mow it. However, we've had some big changes at our house with some construction and clay soil, big machinery, and a big puppy dog. And things have changed. And as a result, we have a beautiful dirt path of a backyard, which turns into a lovely lake after it rains. So began our quest to grow grass. Now, for other people, growing grass isn't necessarily a challenge, but for me and for my husband, all we've really been successful at has been growing wisteria and bamboo and thorny vines. And although we are experts at that, what we really wanted was a yard that we didn't have to wade through. So we bought a bag of seeds, we prepared the soil by wetting it and raking it, and we threw handfuls of seeds out. And then we sat down to watch it become beautiful, thick grass. Well, what we grew was weeds, beautiful, thick weeds and not much grass. 
I think we thought it would be easy and that we wouldn't have to do much more than water it. What we lacked was not enthusiasm or desire, but the basic knowledge of grass and the persistence when things got rough. We also had a master gardener living with us, but we didn't collaborate with her or follow her advice. We just set out on our own, in our own little world, all by ourselves, and we failed miserably. Today's gospel is probably one that each of you has heard many times before, and you might even feel that you understand the meaning well enough not to revisit it again. After all, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Especially for those of you who are farmers and gardeners, you know the basics of sowing seeds. In fact, even if you have a black thumb like I do, the truth is you probably know the basics of sowing seeds. This is the time of year when you may come to church for a small group meeting and leave with an armful of wonderful vegetables from our more horticulturally gifted church family members. We reap the bounty of others' gifts. The question for the day, then, is not whether or not we have anything else to learn from the story, is whether or not we have anything else to learn from the story. These verses about the seeds and the soil they fall on. Why would Jesus tell this simple story? Well, even in the very early church, Christians were already straying from the faith as a result of both persecution and worldliness. Today we can imagine how each one of us would react to not only the temptations of the world, but to persecution. Perhaps we are not so different at all, and we still need to hear the truth of this parable as much as the early Christians did. As we consider the parable, what if we consider that the idea that God and Jesus are not the only sowers, but we as the Christian church are also? If we are to be truly sowers of the seeds of faith, how do we accomplish this? How much trouble do we take to present the word, to sow the seeds, and to nourish our church family in ways that are relatable and usable in every person's life? What is the mission of the church in providing good, nurturing soil? Reverend Janice Scott suggests that we take this parable to refer not so much to individuals, some who respond to the word of God and some who don't, but also to communities and to churches. Any church could be likened to rocky ground at times. The church could work hard at sowing the word, and there's often an immediate, enthusiastic response. But sometimes it seems to stop there. If there's no depth to the teaching, for example, if the church avoids difficult questions, such as how we respond to the issues of the world, things like suffering and hunger and war and homelessness, or if we don't wrestle sometimes with the word and our faith, then how can we really expect to apply the tenets of our faith to our everyday lives? If a church chooses to rely solely on emotional worship, but the teaching and discussions are simplistic and there is no action, then the emotion will not sustain people for long. Unfortunately, life is not all about enthusiastic emotion and simple issues. The seed may grow, but wither from lack of nourishment. Reverend Scott says that there are times when church sprinkle a little seed on the path and somehow fail to realize they've missed the soil altogether. 
They say things like, we're okay as we are. We're not going to change because we like things the way they are, like they've always been. Most of us, though, have learned that there's very little growth when we remain in one spot, one comfortable place. Sometimes it isn't just a matter of being uncomfortable, but downright scared. Our mission group who went off this week to Salkahatchee is a great example of this. So not only will they be physically uncomfortable at times, but they'll have to stretch themselves as Christians this week. They'll witness to others. They'll work hard together to provide safe housing. And they'll have to learn how to respond to other people in different circumstances of life. But each person on that trip will grow in some way. Because we all grow at different rates, the lessons learned and the growth achieved won't be the same for everyone. However, everyone will come home with at least a seed sown in their heart. What about the times when the seed falls among thorns which grow with it and choke it? Churches can, and rightly so, be very much concerned about being part of the real world. Sometimes we bend over backwards to accommodate the world. So the seed is sown, but the cares, the worries, the temptations of everyday life interfere, and soon they overtake that seed, so that our love for God is overtaken by our everyday cares and pleasures of the world. If a church offers little to distinguish itself from the world, it won't change the world to be more as God intends. But there's a very real possibility that the world will change the church. What does it take for church to be that good soil? A church that reaches out in mission and evangelism so that people in the community have a chance to hear the word. A church that knows it is an environment where we can continually grow in faith. This kind of faith and understanding of God's love allows us to tackle those difficult issues of life with the heart of Jesus. To continue on with Reverend Scott, she says that these churches are which are prepared to adapt enough so that other people might be enabled to hear. They give and they take. They listen and respond to the needs of the community. But they're not prepared to surrender the solid base of their faith because they are aware that a solid base is as essential as a firm foundation is to growth. These are churches that are inclusive. They don't exclude anyone because although they won't allow the thorns to choke the seed, they're sensible enough to allow some thorns to grow up alongside the seed. They're aware that Christians must be part of the world, not removed from it, not sheltering in some ivory palace, not wringing hands helplessly over the morals of society, not living in the past, but respecting it, learning from it, and reaching toward the future. Most importantly, these churches are such that they're confident in their faith. And although we strive to live as Jesus' example, we leave the judgment to God alone. We are also not afraid to tell others that God is the center of our lives and that we are grateful for the gift of Jesus Christ in our lives. So the question for Central today is, What type of soul are we offering? How shall we maintain the quality of our soul? 
How will we nurture the seedlings? What sort of sowers are we? In other words, we must strive to be a church that carefully considers how to teach the word, how we are going to live out our beliefs, how we are going to reach out to the community and include everyone, and how we're going to encourage our church family to grow in its faith. We do this by taking a good look at our plans for the future, considering carefully the classes and studies, the small groups, the missions and caring ministries we offer. Most importantly, most importantly, we remember that relationships with one another and with God are the ways in which we nurture our faith and grow. The parable of the sower is a story. And we have a story, too, the story of our church. It's a story with a beginning and a middle, but I guess it's up to us to decide how the story should continue. It's up to us to determine the next chapter. This is an exciting time in the life of our church, and I hope that you'll join me in praying about the future and working in ministry together.